Okay, good morning, church. Uh, I trust this morning, uh, even in the midst of uh, the crisis that we're dealing with, that uh, that peace that passes all understanding is guarding your hearts and guarding your minds uh, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, we're going to continue this morning uh, with our series in the Kings of Judah. Uh, last week, we heard from our brother Ray Gonzalez, uh, Job, and very uh, necessary a message. Um, and I'm um, waiting for the green light from Mr. Bermudez. And as I'm waiting for the green light, um, last week, if you didn't tune in, uh, Ray, I guess, encouraged us again to hold on to our faith, right, uh, with vice grips. Even in times like this, uncertain times, unusual times, um, a time of crisis to hold on to that faith. And uh, we're going to be looking at some of those things again today. When we look at the nation uh, of Israel, when we look at uh, these kings of Judah, um, <laughs> it says we're good to go, but apparently I look terrible in this Mets jersey. Um, but uh, it's for all my fellow Mets fans out there. Um, so listen, so we're going to get started here. Um, so uh, um, last time we, we did the King series, it was actually myself. We did uh, Ahaziah. Uh, we looked at um, just the, this lineage that he had in his uh, it, with his in-laws. Remember, we had um, some good kings, right, and some not-so-good kings. Um, we uh, talked about how uh, the nation of Israel, right? you've, you've got uh, Saul and then uh, David and then Solomon and then uh, the nation, right, uh, split. So you had 10 tribes that went to the north and uh, they kept the name Israel. And then you had two tribes uh, to the south, uh, which is considered uh, Judah or the nation of Judah. And we're just looking at those um, 20 kings from Judah, the 19 kings to the northern kingdom, uh, all wicked, all bad. Uh, the 20 that we're looking at uh, here in Judah, eight of them were, were good. Um, one of the ones we're going to look at today, Joash, is one of the five that I think were, I consider revival um, kings, that, that the nation saw revival happen uh, in their land under their leadership. So we're going to look at that. But I just kind of want to take us back a little bit and just recall, uh, bring back to your memory here, that we looked at Ahaziah and we, and we talked about how um, – his in-laws, right? Remember Jehoshaphat um, uh, linked him with uh, the family of Ahab, and uh, not a great family there. We looked at uh, just uh, since uh, Jehoshaphat, you had Jehoram, and then you had Ahaziah, and then even um, we had Athaliah. Uh, Ahaziah ends up dying, and um, remember um, it was Athaliah that uh, took over, and um, for when she took over, she actually tried to kill all remaining heirs uh, to the throne. And we talked about last week how there was, remember, uh, Jehoshaphat um, and Jehoiada, um, both them, husband and wife, uh, they hid Joash um, and uh, kept him from being killed by Athaliah. And for six years they hid him. And then it was in that seventh year uh, that we learned that um, Jehoiada strengthened himself, and Jehoiada comes up with this plan. It was a great plan um, where uh, 
uh, he was going to put Joash on the throne. And uh, that's what we're going to start today, even though um, in the, the link that you have, it says Second Chronicles chapter 24. We're going to start a little bit in Second Chronicles chapter 23. So if you'll turn there, please, the Second Chronicles chapter 23. Um, some of this message is going to take part in the second half of 23, and then the rest of the message is going to take place in Second uh, Chronicles 24. I wish we had time to read both these chapters, um, but we're just going to read some verses here, starting in verse 9. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 23, beginning in verse 9. It says, uh, And Jehoiada, the priest, gave to the captains of hundreds the spears and the large and small shields which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of God. Then he set all the people, every man with his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along uh, by the altar and by the temple, all around the king. And they brought out the king's son. This is Joash. And they put the crown on him, gave him the testimony or the law, right? And they made him king. And then Jehoiada and his sons anointed him, and they said, Long live the king. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. And she looked, and there was a king standing by his pillar, at the entrance, and the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets, also the singers with musical instruments and those who led in praise. And so Athaliah tore her clothes and said, Treason! Treason! And Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of hundreds who were set over the army and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with a sword whoever follows her. For the priest has said, do not kill her in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by way of the entrance of the horse gate into the king's house, and they killed her there. <clears throat> the Lord will bless the reading of his word again uh, this morning. Let's just uh, look to God for uh, help this morning. Our Father, we thank you again that uh, even in a time of crisis, even when we can't gather together uh, physically with one another, um, with fellow brothers and sisters, uh, as uh, local expressions of your body, your church. Uh, we're grateful for the technology to still be able to sit and hear under the teaching of your word. We're grateful uh, that even though, uh, as we've seen here, we live in a world where um, the world can change overnight. We're thankful that, uh, God, that you do not change, and we're thankful that your word endures forever. And so we pray that we may be able to this morning uh, see your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that um, we as your church may be built up, uh, that we may be edified and fully equipped uh, for the work of the ministry. Uh, we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. And so, um, again, if you consider just this time uh, of the nation of Israel, uh, right, it's, it's a time of crisis. I mean, you've got uh, this woman, this queen, who was ruling for the last six years. Um, she's tried to kill all the um, heirs to the throne. Uh, they've brought in Baal worship under the temple. Her sons, Athaliah's sons, have come in and, and, and just um, disintegrated uh, the house of the Lord there and brought um, uh, things for Baal worship and things like that. And so uh, they're in a time of crisis here. And we talked about how last week how you know God could use someone like Jehoiada, really someone that we don't know all that well, or Jehoshabeth, to to um, be used by God in God's plan for the ages. And it's the same with us, right? God can use people like you and I as well. And so 
we see this scene here that I was reading this morning where now Joash, as this seven-year-old kid, uh, he's put, you know, um, made king again, and, and the whole uh, place is a revival, right? There, there's, there's, there's rejoicing, and they're chanting, long live the king. <clears throat> you can see that it's just been so many years since Jehoram's reign, and Ahaziah, and, and now um, Athaliah, that they're just so grateful to have now again the son of David um, <clears throat> on the throne again. Uh, with Joash. And so one of the things that we're going to look at here in chapter 23 is I really think, too, that this crisis that we're living in right now um, in our nation, uh, each in, in individual, all of us, even as a church, um, I, I think there's a call to revival. Um, I think that uh, this has certainly been a, an, a trying time for the church. And um, I just think it's so interesting that here we see in this story of Joash, I think there's a rationale, if you will, uh, for revival, that we're going to look at five principles um, that you can apply for revival. And I'm not just talking about a nationwide revival, although certainly we need that. And certainly I think even within the church today there needs to be a revival. But we all know, right, that no revival can take place nationwide within the church until first we ourselves personally uh, experience our own revival. And so um, we're going to look at five principles um, for revival this morning, as we see here in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 23. And so if you look, first one is this. Look at uh, verse 16. We finished reading in verse 15. Um, but in verse 16, now that they have killed uh, Athaliah, right? Um, and it's amazing, too, just as a side note is that if we consider last last time I spoke here, just that lineage of, of Omri, right? You had Omri and, and Ahab and Jezebel and um Athaliah and, and Ahaziah, this whole uh, lineage here now has been wiped out. You know, God has taken care of that lineage, and there's no more now for them. But here, uh, the first thing we see in verse 16 is this, of Second uh, Chronicles chapter 23. It says, Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king, that they should be the Lord's people. The first uh, principle of revival is this. It has to be a continued commitment, a continued commitment. You'll see here that um, um, that Jehoiada here, he renews their covenant with Jehovah, uh, that they recognize that they needed to renew that covenant with him, that, that the king Joash, that the people there of Judah, um, that they needed to recommit, right, uh, to following the Lord. And I think that's so true of each and every one of us individually, right? That I don't know if perhaps um, there's been a time now where you've been away from the Lord, you've walked away from the Lord, um, and you're listening to this message today, that that's the first thing, that's the first principle, is that you need to recommit yourself to the Lord again. Um, it's that continued commitment to follow Him. It's, it's you know, saying, listen, um, me, my spouse, my family, uh, my church family, whoever it is that um, this class is that we, right, we will be the Lord's people, right? Um, you remember Joshua and the people during that time, they had to make a decision where Joshua said, listen, choose today who you're going to serve. And he said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so the first principle, the first step here into revival, as you see with uh, Jehoiada here, is listen, there has to be a renewed commitment to the Lord, right? You have to have this continued commitment to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord. 
But the second thing here that we see is in verse 17. <clears throat> so after Jehoiada makes this covenant between himself and the people, we see that uh, in verse 17, And all the people went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They broke in pieces, its altars and images, and they killed the priest of Baal before the altars. Yeah. Uh, the second uh, principle of revival is this, is that you need to eliminate everything that stands between you and God. Okay. Um, the sad thing is that in this account here, we see that even though they did go in uh, to the temple of Baal and they tore it down, right, and they and they broke all the altars and the images and they even killed the priest of Baal, we read in 2 Kings chapter 12 that they still left the high places, which is unfortunate. Um you know, they were they were um, pagan places of worship, uh, these places. But uh, still, it's encouraging to see, though, that Jehoiada understood the importance of, hey, listen, we need to eliminate everything that stands between us and God. And that's so true of us, too, when it comes to revival, not just nationwide, not just as of the church, but each of us individually. We need to look at those things in our lives that we need to get rid of. What are those things that are actually... <clears throat> Standing between you and your relationship with the Lord. Um, not only that, but in verse 18, the very next verse, it says this. And then also Jehoiada appointed the oversight of the house of the Lord to the hand of the priests, the Levites, whom David had assigned in the house of the Lord to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord. As it is written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and with singing, as it was established by David. And he set the gatekeepers at the gates of the house of the Lord so that no one who was in any way unclean, should enter. <clears throat> Here we see the third principle of revival, and that is this, is that we need to generate gratitude again. We need to generate in our own lives a sense of gratitude. You see what happened here was after Jehoiada renewed that covenant, right, with the people, with the king, with God, and after they destroyed, right, um, everything that was in the temple of Baal, he understood, hey, listen, we need to restore worship again. There was a way that God had set up where they were to come in to that place of worship and be able to rejoice and be able to sing and be able to uh, give thanks to God for all that he had, had done for them. We read that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So I think it's so important for us, even in a time where uh, perhaps it's easy to complain, uh, in a time where it's easy to be fearful uh, to be anxious, right? We need to remember that we uh, need to be grateful, uh, that we need to, even if we can't gather together, um, we ourselves individually can can have that time each of our lives to just thank God. Not only praise him for what he's done for you, that uh, he saved you, uh, but also to worship him, right? To just thank him for who he is, that he is a God of peace, that he is a God of love, that he is the uh, a God that doesn't change, uh, the immutability of God. Um, we need to get back to generating gratitude in our own lives, even amidst the crisis, and be able to thank God, not only for what he's done, but for who he is. And the fourth principle here is in verse 20. Um, it says here, And then he took the captains of hundreds, the nobles, the governors of the people, all the people of the land, and he brought the king down from the house of the Lord, and they went through the upper gate to the king's house and set the king on the throne of the kingdom. <laughs> this might be one of my favorite 
parts of this story here is you got a picture. They take this seven-year-old boy, Joash, right? And after they have restored worship there in the temple, they bring him down from there and they bring him into uh, the uh, into the king's house and they sit the king back on the throne. Um, for so long, there had not been a king on the throne, right? For the last six years, there had only been a queen on the throne. But also, uh, before that, there were kings that sat on there that that uh, did not honor that position, right? And so here we have now, again, uh, the son of David, um, heir to the throne, Joash, right? They take him. And so the fourth uh, principle for revival is this, is to restore royalty. To restore royalty. You see, listen, there not only has to be a um, a renewed commitment, right, uh, to follow Jesus Christ. Not only does there need to be um, a, a, a doing away with or eliminating everything that stands between you and God. Not only does there need to be a restored worship, right, um, but the king needs to be established on the throne again. Jesus Christ wants to be the king of your heart. Okay? Now, we know, listen, that Jesus reigns no matter what. Um, you do, but he would love for you to be able to allow him to reign in your heart, in your lives. And so many times, right, that need of revival, it, uh, it, it happens because um, we forget to acknowledge Jesus as king of our lives. This is not a democracy. It is a monarchy, right? Jesus Christ reigns. He rules uh, in our lives. And this is really great. If you look back a little earlier in this chapter, uh, in verse 3, of chapter 23, right? You will see this. It says, uh, Jehoiada is talking, right? It says, behold, the king's son shall reign. Okay? Now listen, one of the things that we want to do is when you're going through scripture, right, we always want to see Jesus in each of the books, right? And one of the things that you see in Chronicles is this, is that Jesus Christ is the son of David. He's a man sitting on the throne of God. And here Jehoiada knew the importance of that. He says, listen, behold, the king's son shall reign. And listen, for all of you out there, whether or not you allow Jesus to reign in your hearts, you allow him to sit on the throne of your heart, you need to know that he does reign. Okay? That the son of David, Jesus Christ, does reign. That God has given him the throne. Um, and uh, one of the, just the elements, one of the principles of revival is for we ourselves to restore that royalty. To, again, if we kind of put Jesus off to the side, to bring him back and to sit him on the throne of our hearts and allow him to reign uh, in our lives. And then the fifth principle is uh, when we actually get into chapter 24 here is this. We're going to call it repaired residence. Repaired residence. Okay. You see, uh, the temple, right, had to be worked on. Right. The temple had to be a priority. And the reason is because, remember, Athaliah's sons had, had broken in. They had destroyed it. They had set up, you know, worship for Baal. And so if you look at Second Corinthians chapter 24, um, in verse 4, it says this. Now it happened after this that Joash set, in his, set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. Okay. Um, Joash had zeal for the house of the Lord. In fact, he had so much zeal that in this story here, which we don't have time to read, uh, I encourage you to read it. You will see that Joash, he actually um, enforces a temple tax. Um, he tells him to 
tax the people so that they could use the money to help repair uh, the temple. Um, in fact, there's some time that goes by where Jehoiada even, the man who raised Joash, the man who was a godly influence in his life, Joash has to reprove him. That's how much zeal Joash had as a young man is that there came a time where after Jehoiada had said, hey, listen, I want you to tax the people. I want you to start working on um, repairing the temple that he comes to Jehoiada and, and the other ones there. And he says, hey, listen, how come it hasn't happened yet? Right. He has to reprove them. And then, of course, uh, we see that um, although they procrastinated early on, then they do get to. In fact, Jehoiada comes up with an idea with burrowing a hole in this chest and they put it next to the altar so that as the people come approach the temple, they can put money into that. And so um, over time, you read in this chapter that a lot of money was given, that, that a ransom was paid in order to rebuild the temple. Um, they had enough money to repair everything in the temple, and they even had some money left over afterwards. And again, uh, there's a, just a beautiful picture here where, uh, again, as we're looking at chronicles and we're going through these chronicles, um, we want to always look at, listen, um, how do we see Jesus? And so not only Jesus is the son of David, right? He's a man who's sitting on the throne. Uh, but also what we see here in the study of Joash is that he is the builder of the house of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is interested in the house of God. And what I mean by that is the church, you and I. Um, and so we see this beautiful picture here that Jesus was so concerned with building the house of God, building the church, uh, concerned with you and I that he actually, the Bible says, that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In fact, the Bible says this, it says that you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. You see, Jesus Christ, right, because of his love for the church, for the house of God, right, um, he was willing to buy us, right? He was willing to purchase what was necessary for the building of the house of God. And that was, unfortunately, um, his own life. Uh, Jesus Christ was willing to come to this earth, die on a cross, pay the ransom for your sins and for my sins so that he could build his church. Um, and so just a beautiful picture here is Joash. He, he um, enforces this temple tax and enforces them to, to pay the ransom um, in order to build the temple. We see a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus as well. He himself gave his life as a ransom so that he could build his church. In this instance here, uh, brothers and sisters, when we look at Joash, um, we see that he's showing, right, that not only was he influenced to do good, but he also influenced others to do good. It was a noble beginning for Joash, right? All those years, Jehoiada had influenced him to do good, and now it was Joash influencing Jehoiada and the others there to do good. And that is to repair and to rebuild the house of the Lord. That had to be a priority. The temple had to be a priority. And so we see these five principles of revival, a rationale, if you will, for revival, in that we need to have a committed, uh, a continued commitment, right, to God, that we need to eliminate everything that stands between us and God, that we need to generate gratitude, right? We need to rest restore worship in our lives. We need to restore royalty, right? The king needs to be established on his throne, on the throne of our hearts. 
And of course, there needs to be a repaired residence. Okay. The, the, the temple needs to be prioritized. And we're going to look at that in a second too, how that applies to us, uh, this repairing of the residence or the house of God. And so we looked at this rationale, if you will, for revival. But unfortunately, um, the story does not end well for Joash. If we continue to read uh, chapter 24, I believe uh, the story of Joash also gives us a rationale for ruin. Okay? So not only do we see five principles um, for revival, whether it's nationwide, whether it's the church, whether it's us individually, and that's really where it needs to start, but we also see five principles here of ruin. And many nations have have um, have come to ruin. Uh, many churches have have, have uh, um, ceased from glorifying Christ. Many believers have come to ruin because of these five principles uh, that we see in the life of Joash. And so, number one is this: um, <clears throat> if you look at uh, chapter twenty-four and verse two, um, a very ominous, in my opinion, very ominous statement here. Um, is this, it says, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of his life? Uh, no, it doesn't say that. Um, it says, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priest. <laughs> um, so the first principle we're going to look at is um, that led to Joash's ruin. That was that there was no inward reality. No inward reality. You see, the story of Joash Right. It reveals a man who never chose to step out of the shadow of his mentor, Jehoiada. You see, when this crisis hit, and you'll see in this chapter here in verse 15, um, that Jehoiada ends up dying. At 130 years old, Jehoiada um, passes away. And so there's a crisis here in Joash's life. And what we see is his faith falters. Right. At a, at a moment here. um for, for all these years, he lived in the shadow of Jehoiada, his mentor. And Jehoiada was such a godly man, uh, just a tremendous influence in Joash's life. But when Jehoiada passed away, um, Joash's faith faltered. You know, uh, some are raised by godly parents. Uh, some of us benefit from the influence of faithful saints or elders and preachers. And those influences, they last for some time, right? They bring about a zealous burst of action uh, for the cause of Christ. But when the trying times come, they leave the way of truth for the path of sin and error. Matthew Henry uh, makes a good comment about this. He says this. He says, we must act in religion. Okay, We must act in religion from an inward principle which will carry us on through all changes, okay? Then, that means the loss of a parent, uh, the loss of a minister, the loss of a friend, or even if we look at what we're today, the loss of a Sunday meeting, right? The, 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 the loss of a privilege of gathering together, right? It will not involve the loss of our religion. Okay? Matthew Henry is saying, listen, um, this religion that we claim, right, this, this faith that we have, right, it has to be an inward reality so that when crisis happens, when, when change happens, when things happen that are beyond our control, right, we don't lose our religion. We don't lose our faith. Now, the sad thing is I actually uh, I had a friend of mine who I think experienced this 
Uh, when I was growing up, um, there was a friend of mine, uh, her name was Jen, and uh, she had such zeal as a young person. Um, she was someone that um, I really uh, admired, um, just uh, how uh, close she was uh, with the Lord. And uh, unfortunately, when she was in high school, uh, her parents got divorced. And uh, from then on, uh, her faith faltered. Um, she completely walked away from the Lord. Um, until I believe even she got so bad that the Lord took her home. Um, she died at a very young age. Um, but I really, I look back that, that, that the crisis I think that really affected her, the change that happened in her life was when her parents got divorced. And so we just have to be careful that this faith that we have, right? It has to be an inward reality because we don't, we don't know what the future holds and we can't control it. If anything, this shows us right now that you have no control over your lives. Okay. We don't have any control as to what's going on. And so that, that faith that we have has to be an inward reality so that when change happens, when we lose a loved one or when we're not able to gather anymore, uh, as a, as a local assembly, that our faith does not waver, that we need to, uh, stay committed to the Lord. So that's the first, um, principle of ruin is there's no inward reality. The second principle you'll see in verse 17. Now, what happened was Jehoiada passes away. And then in verse 17 of Second Chronicles chapter 24, it says, Now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king. And the king listened to them. We need to be careful, um, church, um, in times of crisis, right? When life is bad. Okay, to realize that that's when we are most vulnerable to listen to the world, right? And the world's message. Uh, and you see as Joash did. Okay, Joash had become vulnerable. There was a crisis here. His mentor, Jehoiada, had passed away. And now you have these uh, leaders of Judah who come in and it says that he listens to them. He listens to them. You know, the, the failure and the folly of man should only make us crave the fullness and the faithfulness of Jesus all the more. But unfortunately, that's not the case sometimes. Sometimes when crisis hits, we become vulnerable. And, and, and the second principle, I don't know if I mentioned, was that there's, for Joash, no insight remained. He didn't have enough discernment. He didn't have enough insight to see that these, these leaders of Judah, he should not be listening to them. You know, and so many times we, 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 uh, we go through that, right? There's a crisis in our life where, um, unfortunately we lose insight. We lose that discernment that we start listening to things and it's the message of the world and, and we have a hard time discerning whether or not that's right or not. We'd be very careful that we don't lose our insight, right? Um, but not only that, in verse 18, the very next verse, um, we kind of get an idea of, of what the leaders of Judah were saying to him because of what happens here. Because look at verse 18 of chapter 24. It says, therefore, and anytime you see therefore, you should always ask yourself, right? What is the therefore? Therefore. So apparently when uh, Joash listened to these leaders of Judah, he listened to the, the world's message. Look what it says. It says, therefore, in verse 18, they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols. 
The third principle uh, of ruin is this. There was no interest regarded. Where he had so much zeal in the beginning of his life, uh, Joash, right, had zeal for the house of the Lord. Here we see now, after this crisis, that now there was no interest regarded for the house of the Lord anymore. Um, he did not regard uh, the, the house of the Lord as, as important anymore. Um, you know, uh, we are in a time when we are not gathered together, right? I think it's important for us to know, church, that you need to be able to, by yourself, thrive in your work, in your walk with God. Okay? Without the luxury of leaders or without the luxury of people meeting with you, right? It's just you and the Lord, right? First Corinthians chapter three, verse 16 says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Okay? The, the house of God, the temple is not at, at um, um, on Branford Road there, Branford Bible Chapel. Okay. You are the temple of God. The spirit of God dwells in you. And so we need to make sure that we regard that as so important. The house of God, the temple of God, which we are. Right. Um, what are you doing to make sure that the temple of God um, is being built up right in your own life? Um, and we talk about it all the time, but, you know, um, how much time are we spending in the word? This is this is just a tremendous opportunity again for some anyway, that they have more time now to read, to, to study more time to pray, uh, more time to call people and to, and to try to minister to other people, um, where otherwise you may not have that opportunity. But we need to make sure that we don't get to a point where not only is there no inward reality, right, not only the, the, there's no insight that remains, right, we kind of lose the sermon, but this is important that we do not um, regard uh, the house of God as important, the temple, who we are. And so here we see there was no interest regarded here uh, in the house of God. In fact, they started serving wooden images and idols again. The fourth principle of ruin is this in verse 19. And God here, it says he sent prophets to them. This is to Joash and these leaders of Judah to bring them back to the Lord. And they testified against him, but they would not listen. Okay. Now, one of the fourth principles of ruin is this. There's no intercommunication required. Okay? Um, Joash now is at a point where God is speaking to him through these prophets, um, and, he's, and he's testifying against him. He's telling him, hey, listen, here's what you're doing wrong. And he's at a point now where he will not even listen. There's no intercommunication between him and God now, um, which is absolutely required. Uh, church, we need to be able to, communicate with God as we open up his word and as we as God tells us hey listen here's um, what you need to do we want to be sensitive to right we want to be sensitive where we hear the voice of God right and we don't harden our hearts right that we're able to listen to what God says right we we um, so too often right when a crisis is in our life right we don't want to listen to what God is telling us and many times it's through other believers right believers are trying to encourage you they're trying to to exhort you and we don't want to listen to what God says because of the pain that we're going through right now or the isolation or the uncertainty or whatever it is and yet so many times God through his word or through his people is saying hey listen no don't do that or sometimes God is saying hey listen wait just wait or sometimes God says, listen, repent. 
Repent. But yet, we do not listen. And so, Joash here is at a point where he doesn't even listen to uh, the prophets that God sends. Even though they testify against him and the leaders of Judah there, they do not listen. And so this is the sad part of the story here is, uh, and we also see the fifth um, principle of um, ruin is there is no indebtedness remembered. If you look at verse 22, God sends another prophet um, to uh, speak to uh, Joash, and that's Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah is Jehoiada's son. And it says here in verse 22, um, that thus Joash, the king, did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. God sent prophets to to warn uh, Joash, and he didn't listen to them. And even when he sent um, uh, Zechariah, um, after everything Jehoiada had done for Joash, how he hid him for his first year of his life, the first six years of his life, how he established him on the throne, and how he was such a godly mentor him in his life, when his son Zechariah comes and says, hey, listen, you got to stop what you're doing. Joash gives the command to stone him. Isn't it interesting, too, that Jehoiada, right, Zechariah's father, when it came to Athaliah, he said, hey, listen, take her out. We do not want to kill her in the house of the Lord. Look how far Joash has gotten. They actually stone Zechariah right in the house of the Lord, right between the altar and the temple there, right in the courts there. They, it's just amazing the contrast between these two. And this, this would be the last straw. Right. This would be Joash's ruin. Um, we see that there was no inward reality and, and we see that, you know, uh, he lost insight. Right. He starts listening to, to the, the leaders of Judah. And, and then we see him um, have no interest for the things, the, the house of the Lord. Right. He, he, he allows, uh, again, wooden images and idols to come in. Then he won't even listen to God. Um, God sends prophets to testify against him, and he won't listen. But then this is probably the worst, is that he forgets, right? He should have been indebted to Jehoiada and to his son, Zechariah. But he forgets all that Jehoiada had done for him, and he kills Zechariah. Well, because that judgment comes, God sends Syria to invade and it's amazing. Remember when, when Joash and his zeal for the house of the Lord, remember when he enforced the, the temple tax and, and God had blessed him with all kinds of stuff, right? All those things that Joash had worked for and Jehoiada, everyone worked for the nation of Judah, right? All that was restored for the house of the Lord. You see here uh, that he sends it to the king of Damascus. And God sends Syria um, to invade. And even though Syria... Uh, it was a very small army. Uh, Joash had a very large army. Still, he gave them into the hands of the Syrians there. And it says there that, that uh, Joash was severely wounded and they left him. Now, I just want you to notice the, the contrast here, right, um, between Joash and Jehoiada. You see, um, both Jehoiada and Joash, right, um, had early zeal for the Lord, uh, but we see that Joash faltered uh, at the end, where Jehoiada remained faithful. 
right even to the end. And I want you to notice here that it says here that Jehoiada lived to be 130 years old. You know, that was the longest anyone had lived in the last thousand years. You see, God blessed Jehoiada's faithfulness. He gave him long life. Uh, but not only that, when Jehoiada died, they buried him with the kings. That was unheard of. You didn't bury the priest with the kings. But that's how much uh, God wanted to honor Jehoiada. And the people even at the time, how they wanted to honor uh, Jehoiada because of his faithfulness to God. They buried him with the kings. But look at the contrast here, right? With Joash. With Joash here, um, when uh, he's severely wounded, his own servants, his own servants, they conspire, right? And uh, they actually um, decide to kill Joash. I think it's in verse 25 of chapter uh, 24. Right? His own servants conspire against him and killed him. And then Joash is not buried with the kings. The place of rest, the place where he should have been honored and buried with the others, there's no honor for him because the people realized that he did not remember the kindness of Jehoiada. He should have showed kindness to Zechariah because of what Jehoiada had done for him. Let's see, in closing, I just want to say a couple of things here. One, I think the life of Joash is so applicable to us today. Um, and so I want to just share really quickly those things. And then ask yourself where you find yourself today is this. Joash was blessed with spiritual privilege. Was he not? Right? Uh, you know, what a tremendous mentor like Jehoiada uh, from a very young age. And so just as Joash was blessed with spiritual privilege, so are we. So are we. Even though you may not feel so right now, even though I don't know what trials you might be going through, but you are uh, blessed with a spiritual privilege. You know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. Right? You live in a day and age where we have such freedoms um, to worship uh, and serve the Lord Jesus. And also Joash, he demonstrated early spiritual zeal, right? Especially for the house of God. Listen, church, so should we, right? Especially in this time right now, we should have a special spiritual zeal for the house of God, for the temple of God. Also, Joash, uh, Joash faced spiritual testing, right? And so will we. In fact, I think we're facing it right now. Right? We are going through a spiritual testing right now. God wants us to see that, listen, you are not in control of your life. Right? That God wants us to, again, acknowledge our dependency on him. That he wants our faith not to be faltered, but to, to hold on to that faith tightly, as Ray said last week. Joash was given repeated occasions to repent. And so will we. Again, I'm not sure where you're at right now spiritually in your life. As we talked about some of those five principles of revival, listen, uh, Joash was given repeated occasions. Prophets had come. Zechariah had come. I think Joel was one of them who had come and, and talked to him. And so we also, God is gracious. He gives us many occasions to repent. But Joash reaped the consequences of his rebellion against God. And church, I want us to know that so will we if we do not repent. There are consequences for living a life that's in rebellion to God, which is contrary to the will of God. And we will face consequences just as uh, Joash did as well. And so where do you find yourself today, church, during this crisis that we're in? Uh, are you listening to the world? You know, as I listen to the world uh, right now, I hear a lot of uh, anger. I hear a lot of worry, anxiety. But most of all, I hear fear. You know, are, are you listening to the world today, the message of the world 
today to, to be afraid that, that there's no peace, that there's so much uncertainty today? Or are you trusting in Jesus Christ, the son of David, who sits on the throne, whose faithfulness to the house of the Lord, his faithfulness to the church, his faithfulness to you has never faltered. May the Lord bless each and every one of you uh, this day.